And I'm Pinky. And you're listening to Thank Folk for Feminism. Welcome to the second episode exploring the theme of Trad Stands With Her, encouraging a conversation about issues of power, misogyny and abuse within the folk scene. As ever, we're looking to open a dialogue, not provide concrete answers or attack, but instead embrace the potential for the folk community to change for the better. So on that note, how's your week been, Luce? Oh, my week. I tell you what, since we've been allowed to meet people, my social life has grown exponentially. I'm knackered, Pinky. I'm done in. (laughs) Isn't it strange being with people in a wholly different way again? It's too much. It's too much. Can we go backwards just a little bit? Um, Yeah, I kind of threw myself into... um, reconnecting with people I've not been able to to see for so many months now as many of us have and although that's been absolutely good for my heart and my soul my body knows that I've been pushing it this last week (laughs) so I think I need to find a better balance um going from hermit to full-blown social butterfly has blown my mind a little um, but it's been a good couple of weeks for Thank Folk for Feminism because we've taken a little step back from being very loud and present on social media and spent some time thinking and planning for the future and all the things that we hope that this podcast and these conversations can lead to. Yeah, and hasn't it been great that we've also had that little bit of capacity, right, to think about future plans and merch and campaigns we want to run, you know, it's also been, you know, publicly quite quiet, but I guess behind the scenes quite an active, interesting place for me and you to be to think about what next. It's amazing to think that someday there might be Thank Folk for Feminism tours and Thank Folk for Feminism festivals. We're dreaming big listeners and uh, it's really exciting that this little thing seems to have momentum behind it and wants to grow. Now, this week we're talking to the tremendous Ella Joy Hunton. She's a singer-songwriter and student on the folk degree at Newcastle University. In the summer of 2020, she wrote a blog post called Why I Lost Faith in Folk Music where she detailed personal experiences of abuses of power and predatory behaviour on the folk scene. The blog was widely read, shared and discussed among folk fans and members of the industry alike and led Ella to create the Folky Union of Women, an online safe space for discussion on matters of safety within the folk scene. Ella's a powerhouse, a talented musician and we really hope that you enjoy the chat we had with her. Hi, Ella. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, both of you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we are so excited to be having this conversation with you on what feels like a really important topic. I think it's something that's come up for me and Lucy time and time again, actually. And it's, I think, in part, actually what inspired the podcast a little bit in terms of thinking about how Lucy's world in the folk industry and my world in the sexual violence industry had kind of intersected at a point over the last 18 to 24 months. Um, So first question for you, and I guess topic to consider, is why you think it's important that we start raising awareness of sexual harassment and abuse? 
specifically, I guess, within the folk industry? Yeah, so I think it's really important because yes, it's just come out in the past 18 to 24 months, but it's been intertwined for such a long time. There's always been this sort of seedy undercurrent that everyone mentions when you go to folk clubs of sort of like, oh, there's the typical seedy old man. And it's always been seen as all right. And they've always been the ones you need to look out for. Um, but particularly in the more recent situations that we're seeing, it's actually the younger generation that are perpetuating a lot of the negativity that's going on. And that's making things really difficult. And I didn't feel comfortable in the folk community. It was either I need to bring this up or I need to leave. And it's very, very hard to see those options of leaving a community that you love so much and a music that you love so much and not take the other option. So I wrote a blog post. I hadn't told my mum. I hadn't told any of my family. So before I posted it, I said, I've drafted this blog. It's going to say a lot of things. All of them are true. I'm really sorry if it has any adverse effects on you, but this is exactly what happened. And thankfully, she's amazingly supportive. Not everyone has been, but I'm very grateful to have a very sex positive mum. So we, we, we've always had a very open dialogue. And this was the only thing that I didn't feel like I could have an open dialogue with her about. And that said to me that something was seriously wrong. And if I couldn't have an open dialogue with the person I have the most open dialogue with, then how were other people feeling? So it, it just became that that became the most important thing was that there were other women out there that were absolutely experiencing what I'd experienced. And if someone didn't start talking about it in the English community, no one was going to. And it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's a narrative that we hear a lot of people feeling like. I want to say it's brave to speak out. And and I mean, it is, right? But beca only because we live in a society that perpetuates it being brave to do that, as if somehow you are in the wrong for being the voice that speaks up, as opposed to these men who are perpetuating sexual harassment and abuse within an industry and a scene are the ones that are in the wrong. Yeah, and that became a really common theme for me, is I didn't understand where the contention was with not taking advantage of vulnerable people. I didn't understand how there could ever be a debate on that, like yeah. at all. We laugh because we're a million percent with you and yet there does seem to be wildly, hotly contended views on that matter. Well, I was one of the comments I got was, well, she wasn't 12 years old, so there we go. And for me, that was the crux of everything, is that because I was a sentient human being, I therefore had an element of the blame, which is preposterous, quite frankly. Um, and now that I look back on it, it is. And now that I am in a, a really good position to be able to speak about all of this, I can let other women know that it is preposterous for people to recommend that and suggest that, that when you're a vulnerable person, however vulnerable may have come about. So for me, it was through times of grief and through losing family members. I was a very vulnerable teenager. I was bullied and then I, I wasn't liked in school. So when I got boobs and people started noticing, hey, like there's 
two sets of E's that are a conversation starter. That's what it became. And that became my value. And to me, that felt like the only value. So I just took that and ran with it. And that was my vulnerability. And people were then saying, hey, you were vulnerable, but blameable. And none of the blame went on any of the people in any of the comments. None of it was even remotely centered towards these people and what they'd done. It wasn't, yeah, what they did was wrong. It was just, why are you blaming the folk community? Why, why is it our music you have to go after? Why is it always men that you have to go after? And it's that weird aspect, isn't it? And again, you know, echoes of a conversation I've certainly had over and over in the course of my work of people saying, you know, you know, that comment, like, why are you coming after the folk community? Like, not coming after a folk community, what people are trying to say, I think, is this happens in every corner and every walk in life. You know, it happens in our hospitals, it happens in our schools, it happens in music industries, it happens in Hollywood, and it happens in the folk industry too. Like, and we have to wake up and start to recognise that no community is immune from this. Totally. And there's always been this sort of blanket that goes over the folk community of, oh, it's so friendly, everyone dances together, it's so lovely. And so I thought that I was being stupid. I thought that I was completely wrong. You know, if everyone thinks it's a friendly community, it must be. And because of that illusion of a friendly community, there was no safeguarding. And that that is the crux of it, is that you're seeing these teachers who in normal circumstances if these teachers went into sort of a junior school or a lower end of a high school and were having conversations like we were having the police would be there in minutes Ofsted would have the place shut down but in the folk community it's just yeah you're pretty good at playing the fiddle want to come teach all these teenagers for a week residential it's maddening as soon as you start to unpick it all it just all falls apart, but it had to happen. It, we have to have these uncomfortable conversations. We have to feel uncomfortable about it to get comfortable. We do, we do. And it's a part of the normalization, isn't it? You started um, this conversation by talking about the known seedy suspect in the back of a folk club room and it and it grows and develops into the sort of experiences that you've discussed and talked about in your blog. Um, and that normalization um, is really hard to break out of. And I think that what you did and what um, Bit Collective and the women who've been um, raising their voices through them have done is really um, shine a light on the conversation in a way that the folk scene needed. Like, I feel very grateful to you and the other women who have, to use the word we've discussed bravely, put forward um, the the stories of their experience because I think without you, the deeply seated, we're the nicest scene in the world, we're a family, would have meant that more women and girls and people, more people were abused um, or taken advantage of. Um, and it starts with, you know, the microaggressions in our other podcasts, we've been talking about the issues of um, gender balance and struggles for um, a, uh, for representation of women and um, other people from diverse backgrounds. And it kind of begins there, but that sets the seed, doesn't it? For what you're talking about. If we accept those things, 
the other stuff can just live, can just breed, can just happen because women and vulnerable people and minors and uh, women of color, like they're all just lesser, right? Than the white male musician. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that it really is the crux of it. And practically there's such value in having more women, more people from minorities at festivals the other people from those minorities feel more comfortable discussing situations with them. When you're the only female booked on a lineup and the only other people there are men, apart from your one guest, who are you going to go to about another man? There, you end up facing against this sort of boys club or persons club of whoever's perpetuating it. There are a group of people and it happened almost instantly after I'd come out about a lot of the things that had gone on is I got messages from people that had worked with these people going, we never knew it was going on. And I was like, you have toured, you're telling me you have toured the world, you've gone across oceans, you have sat in the same bedroom as this person and you haven't noticed. There's just all sorts of things like that where it's so easy, not only to be called a liar, but to start believing that you're a liar well, and also, you know, even if people genuinely didn't notice, all that says to me is that abusive people are very clever. They're very manipulative. You know, they don't want to get caught out because they know what they're doing is wrong. So they'll do everything they can to cover it up and put the blame on those who are experiencing it to say, oh, you know, she led me on or she was wearing the wrong thing or, you know, she was being provocative in some way. Like... That doesn't say you're a liar to me. That says abusive people are really manipulative and therefore we need to be even more cautious about how we safeguard, you know, particularly young people, but all people. Yeah, and not using sort of stupidity or ignorance as a blanket excuse that, oh, well, he's a bit of an idiot. That's just what he does. Using things like that that sort of take away from the entire thing. You know, we use so many different phrases to diminish what's going on because we're uncomfortable with it. So there are so many different phrases that people will pack on the end of things that are just like, oh, yeah, well, they have been a bit dodgy. But what are you going to do? The rhetoric is just completely broken. Wow, it's the kind of boys will be boys stuff, isn't it? And it's like, no, boys will be held accountable for their actions in the same way women are like simple like let's not you know and let's not make it as simplistic as gender you know if you don't want us to be saying this is what men and boys do then don't you know also be saying well boys will be boys because you know those two things can't run in parallel can they yeah it's so often just simplified to gender and then people are like and the same people that simplify it to a gender diet like gender identity are the same people that you've just said you know boys will be boys this is just what they do they grow up they're like this and we've actually started holding like I use the word victims just as a practical term because they are victims of it but we've started to hold victims far more accountable than perpetrators you know I I have no doubts that I got interrogated far more than the people who were perpetrating these actions against me. When I wrote my blog, 
legally I can't mention their names in anything in anything because I will get taken to court for it because I'm making allegations but there's such a broken conversation that victims are having to be secretive about the way they talk about things and sort of I feel like a flipping MI5 agent sometimes just sneaking around like did you hey I've got this sneaky information and it's not it shouldn't be sneaky it shouldn't have to feel so sort of salacious for me to come out with something that's true yes and that's part of how people support each other isn't it you know and I'm, I'm gonna talk about women because you know I think you know we know sexual violence disproportionately impacts women and is disproportionately perpetrated by men whilst not denying that men and trans and non-binary individuals also experience sexual violence and other individuals also perpetrate sexual violence but we know there is you know it's a gendered issue and we know that but you know that's how women keep each other safe is by having these conversations offline off record you know i've heard it a lot you know oh don't you know don't hang out with that person on your own that's not a way to be not at all and it's not something now that i would be willing to put myself in the position of ever again you know and and that's why i started the page folk union of women that's a lot about encouraging conversation and giving women an anonymous women because those are the people that have contacted me if there was anyone else I would mention it but I've had I'd say nearly 100 messages anonymously through there discussing situations that have gone on and they know it's me but by having an anonymous page it means people can contact me and I won't contact them again sometimes people just want to talk into the ether about what's gone on without the ramifications and with the response that I got, I completely understand that. You know, a lot of people shared my blog post, which is great. And a lot of people are now having these conversations and sharing your podcast and sharing bit collective documents. But it's not enough to just share it. You have to live the activism that this is. I know you've had time to consider with setting up folk union of women and having these conversations more broadly within the scene direct routes for the folk scene to make itself safer quickly i wondered if you would share some of your ideas for things that festivals venues organizations might implement to automatically start the ball rolling yeah so in safeguarding situations and legal all of that I'm very much a dog from up um, in that I will get very very distracted by metaphorical and actual squirrels so I needed people who understood all these situations so uh, Nick Beasley I don't think she'll mind me mentioning her name because she's been incredible she just knows so much about safeguarding about teaching She's drawing up a lot of the documents with help from Esperance about how festivals should convene themselves and how they should conduct themselves and how even if you've got volunteers working for you, they're volunteers, they're working. Therefore, they have to be held to standards. So a really recent um, conversation that was had was a Zoom meeting of a load of different people from a load of different parts of 
the folk community chatting about the conduct of MCs and having an open and honest conversation where you don't feel like you have to be reserved in what you're saying. You can just come right out and say, this is what I expect not to happen to me at gigs. So writing things up like that, making sure that every single member of whatever team you're working with within music is held to the same standards and is told what those standards are so that we don't have any more situations of, well, I didn't know that was a wrong thing to do. That should never ever be a situation that occurs. So all of this kind of legislation is what really matters, conversations. But again, that it all comes back to booking women at festivals and booking women at things and representation. That is so, so crucial because I don't think I would have ever spoken out about things if there weren't successful people, successful women in folk music that I could look up to and think, hey, I'm going to get there at some point. There is something worth doing. I needed to have those people to look up to. Um, and just to feel valid, that to me was, was the biggest thing to have people go, hey, I believe you, this really sucks. I'm really sorry this happened. How can I best help you? That, that question, you just have to keep asking it. it. It shouldn't ever get tiring to just keep checking in at how that person's doing. Just things like that, that let you know that you're still wanted because there's so much emotional labor once you've come out with a story. Because once you come out about it, you become that brave victim that everyone wants to speak to and everyone wants to sort of get advice from immediately. You know, we're, we're a few months on after and I have to say like the way you guys approached me was so lovely and so refreshing because there was just no expectation. There was no sort of pressure and I guess there's there's something within that, isn't there? You know, there's a question about how we come together and how we start to amplify and raise awareness of, you know, the kind of trad stands with her movement and the issues more broadly. But I think there's something for me within that about if we could just normalise these conversations, if we could just as women have everyday conversations about sexual violence and sexual harassment without having to make assumptions about anyone's lived experience or lack of then people don't need to trauma dump. You don't have to tell a story to have a conversation. You're just having the conversation as part and parcel of everyday life in a helpful way that enables those who want to share to share and enables those who don't want to share not to share and enables those who haven't had an experience to still feel valid and welcomed. Like, I don't know, for me, we're in it together, aren't we? Exactly. And I think just having those sort of blanket conversations no matter who is in the room saying if you've experienced this then you're very very welcome to leave the room if you have to you're welcome to talk or not to talk all of this stops anyone from feeling spotlighted um a lot of what i study at university is is folk and gender in the way that interacts because it's a vested interest of mine and in a lecture recently i was chatting about the things that had gone on because we were speaking about the current situation in folk music. And it wasn't until halfway through the lecture, after I'd spoken, that a sort of trigger warning was issued. So to me, that felt like, you've triggered everyone, sit down. And it wasn't, that wasn't the intention. 
but we need to be more inclusive in our language and inclusive in our engagement with people. So if we are going to talk about it, which we should be, we need to not be scared of triggering and just sort of say, hey, you know, there are going to be they thems in this conversation. If you're not there for that wild ride, then jump off the bus. <laughs> Can you tell I've had enough? <laughs> um, it's coming across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I just love the idea of you just driving us on a folky bus, just like letting people have it and telling them how it is, which I think is wonderful and empowering and just brilliant. I wanted to uh, kind of and take us on a bit of a uh, slight detour on the bus, um, but to performance. As you've mentioned, you're a student, you're studying on the folk degree at Newcastle Uni, um, but you're also a performer, a, a singer-songwriter, and uh, you know a, a, a burgeoning young person coming out on the scene. And I feel like there's some conversation to be had about what audiences can do to support and protect young women. And, you know, I've, I'm 31 now. I've been, this has been my job for 10 years. So I have grown up in the scene and probably have had, you know, similar, you know, just experiences of being a young woman walking into spaces that aren't necessarily safe or welcoming. I know I've been in situations with an audience member that have made me feel frightened, but being able to shut that down has been very difficult because they have an impression of who Lucy Ward is. And I'm surrounded by other people who have an impression of who Lucy Ward is. And we're all tied up, right, with the entrenched misogyny that we're not allowed to be like, back off, back off. Um, you know, and we have to just like politely diffuse these situations. And I feel like, the majority of audience members, right, are nice, non-abusive people. And it'd be really great if they could see the panic eyes when this happens to artists. If they could, I know they've noticed things like, you know, people who hang around to talk to you for a very long time and it's not because you have a mutual friendship that you've grown. Or people that are literally waiting behind skips to jump out on you as you unpack your car. You know, these are things that happen to artists and you talked about like we can't name people right so I only realized recently through conversations that have been inspired to be had by yourself by Esperance by Bit Collective that me and uh, you know a fellow contemporary musician who've been friends with for a long time have the same problem person that we'd never shared we thought we were the only one god if one of us could have gone there's this person, please be aware if they come to your gig to make sure you're very clear that it's not a friendship. You know, it's a, I'm a performer, you're an audience member situation. God, we might have both saved ourselves some really frightening times. So yeah, talk about all of that, Ella, go. <laughs> yep, there we go. Yeah, I think there is a huge, huge re-evaluation to be done on what we expect of artists and what we expect of particularly female folk artists because a lot of what we're writing is stories and sometimes there'll be our own stories and we're bearing that on a stage and these are the things that would come out in a diary in the 90s flick you know that would be the diary that's stapled all over the school and they are, these are the personal things we are sharing with people that we may not have even shared with friends because there's not an accessible way to do that. 
So when you're doing that, people, like you said, people expect that that means friendship. And that's really not okay. You know, the, the adding of people, Facebook's a really good example. The amount of people that have added me on my personal page and it's just not appropriate. You are an audience. You are paying to see me. When we strip it all back, you are a client for my business. You would never, ever go into NatWest, what other banks are available. (laughs) Walk back out after seeing a financial advisor and add him on Facebook. You just wouldn't because it'd be inappropriate. And we need to start altering that, particularly in realms of like physical touch. The amount of times that people have sort of not asked for photos because I'm not that famous just yet, but have sort of put their arm around me whilst they speak to me or touched my arm and things like that. And because it's not seen as an overtly sexual area, it's deemed to be absolutely fine that they can touch you, they can speak about your songs afterwards, they can converse with you for longer than is acceptable at all. Thankfully, I have a very, very, very good mother. If you're listening, mom, hi, Um, you should be. And... Hi, Ella's mom. <laughs> She'll die after hearing. This. I love. I, you're going to start the jealousy wars though, because we're all going to have to do a shout out to all of our mums. <laughs> or there's going to be messages, aren't there, behind the scenes? But she's been sort of roadie. She's been my driver. She's sorted my kit out. She's been my agent. But she's also really good at picking up when I'm not comfortable. Yeah. So, People are bigger than me. I'm five foot six. So there's quite a few people that are smaller, but a lot of people that are taller than me. And I get really uncomfortable, particularly with taller men that are sort of looming. Some of them don't even understand how domineering their presence is. But she's really good at sort of stepping in and saying, uh, someone wants to talk to you out back. Someone from the festival team wants to speak to you. And if festivals could pick up on that, and if their artist liaison, that's that's a role that's a thing it should be a thing in each venue at festivals and at concerts and at any kind of performance you should have an artist liaison in each venue just that that is aware that that is a thing that can happen and knows that they can pull rank you know if you've got a festival or venue lanyard on and you go and tell someone sorry we need to whisk them off that's a lot better than me as an artist going I need to go because that then gets you a name as someone who's antisocial or doesn't say hi to their fans, which to be honest is fine. It's absolutely fine to not go and say hi to everyone after a gig. Sometimes it's just not gonna happen and we shouldn't have to apologize for that because the expectation shouldn't have been there in the first place. You go to a gig to see music. When the music is over, you go home. If you get to see the artist, you should think of that as a bonus. It shouldn't be an expectation. But I think there's there's also something within that, isn't there, about what we as, you know, I say we, but, you know, people like me who, but you know, are consumers of folk music who turn up and who are audience members can also do to support artists. You know, I definitely know I've witnessed and seen conversations that look uncomfortable between a folk musician and a male person and I have loitered deliberately and I have just watched to see what's going down and if I've thought 
not comfortable about this i have interjected and i've done it in a kind of like oh i just need to go now but i'm just you know i'm gonna say goodbye before i leave you know normally for me it's easier because it's folk musicians i know or have some sort of not friendship but relationship with in some way you know that there is there is something there but i guess there's something you know for me it's twofold isn't it it's that kind of bystander intervention of us as audience members being willing to call stuff out when we see it i also think there's something in what lucy said about um you know having to be nice and polite and i don't think women need to be polite anymore i've seen plenty of male folk musicians get angry i've seen christy moore put his guitar down and call people out for talking through his show if you can do that women should be given permission to just stop mid-set and call out the ball it's absolute madness it it's it's crazy that we feel like we have to be pigeonholed into being polite when people really are ignoring social convention and ignoring signals. Mm. But I think as well with calling it out, sometimes you don't even need to do that at the time, is if I'm uncomfortable and someone else can see it and I've never met them before and they come over to me and go, oh my goodness, it's so good to see you again, to break me out of that conversation, I will love them forever. They will be my best friend, my maid of honour, my <laughs> child's godparent. <laughs> and there's been so many times, you know, I live in a big city. There have been times when I've been walking back, I've seen a girl that looks uncomfortable and I've sort of gone up, sort of said, oh my goodness, I didn't realise you were here tonight. And we've sort of walked together. Never met them before. We've had a takeaway and then we're still friends now. There's so many little tricks and it's mm. just being brave enough is that if people can be brave enough to be out in a scene where things like this happen, then bystanders can be brave enough to step in and go, please don't do that. And another thing I was thinking of, you know, when you so boldly attempted to pick apart all of the various parts I threw out there because my brain is just excited by this conversation feel really honored that you would take part and um, you're giving us some incredible insights and um, and our listeners I'm sure are feeling really um, you know empowered to do better um, by the way you so brilliantly and openly and kindly present the truths right um, and I was thinking about this thing about growing up in the scene so you mentioned having people as Facebook friends personal friends not appropriate my personal Facebook page merged into my business place. You know, it wasn't intentional. It was what was there. Now I have 5,000 friends. Some of them, you know, I went to school with. There are pictures there of me, like, you know, 18 in nightclubs. And then, but there's 5,000 people who've added me because I'm Lucy Ward before I had an awareness that that's not appropriate. I prided my I I love I love meeting people at, at gigs and I must say that you know I have met a lot of people who've become my friends um through those conversations and I think though I agree with you it shouldn't be expected it can be a really lovely part of our scene but one thing I definitely always did when I was younger and prided myself on was I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger in real life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm hug. I'm going to hug the people that compliment me. Probably, you know, it definitely wasn't as conscious as that. It was just something that happened. But then you hug someone, you know, and the next person that you've seen at another gig and you know is inappropriate 
expects a hug. This is one of the great things about COVID. I'm not hugging anymore. You know, my physical contact with people standing in the queue has to stop because actually, even though there are people that turn up that I know and love and would love that personal physical connection with, it sends the wrong message to people who aren't can't read the signs of what is appropriate within the relationship that we've laid out and I think what I wanted to say is you know Jackie Oates once said to me that you know we don't just grow up together we grow old together in the folk scene and I think I needed to hear at this juncture in my life and my career that it's okay to change your mind it's okay to learn and do better And it's okay to set boundaries that you've previously not set. And if people can't respect that, then that's on them, right? Absolutely. I think change is such an important factor in all of this. And I think what you're discussing there about sort of the physical contact and your conduct in the scene, sort of making your own bed for the the night's socialization in some cases, is that if you do that at a gig, then at sort of the festival party later you're ending up doing the same thing with those people we should be teaching how to be a successful folk musician in a business sense in a sense of this is how think about how you conduct yourself i feel that another takeaway from this if people have listened to this and have understandably because i think at times it's been in my head too found the notion that um that the the worry that if we put up barriers between artists and audience that we will lose you know what we perceive to be the magic of the folk scene it's just very important for people to take away that that won't be the case what we will gain is more magic because more people will feel safe within it it will become diverser it will become richer and you will still get to get your cd signed and you know connect with people and share what you've enjoyed about the concert um so yeah i just wanted to acknowledge that this has been a challenging thing for people to listen to potentially but what an honour to have Ella here with us. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's been an absolute privilege to talk to you both today. I adore the podcast. I listen to it on Saturday mornings whilst I'm having breakfast before I start to work. And it's just such a lovely feminine meditation. It's so wonderful to just sit and listen to these ideas without having to be involved in the conversation. It's such a brilliant way to adversely be involved. And I couldn't recommend it to anyone more that you don't have to, you don't have to be active in a conversation. You can just listen and it, it's going to be difficult, but notice that the person giving you the information that is causing you to find it difficult to listen to is in sort of a little bit more of a difficult as much of a difficult position to give you that information. Indeed. And you can be, sort of you can be sisters in that you can conjoin yourselves into that and both go and make each other a hot chocolate vegan hot chocolate for both of you obviously you see I'm a real geek of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) we love it love it we want all of the geeks to come and talk to us on the show definitely think Lucy have described ourselves as the (laughs) awkward geeks and we own that chic no, no, cool geeks. We're cool geeks. Cool geeks. My my bad.
That's that's the official title. So basically, geeky enough that you know um, that you can be a geek, but cool enough that you are able to talk to young people like yourself, Ella. <laughs> if, if your children ask Lucy, we'll tell them you're the cool mom. It's all good. Thank you. You've got it. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thanks. take care, oh, Ella. Thank you so much. What an awesome woman. If you want to learn more about Ella, you can find her music on Facebook, facebook.com slash ejh.musician. One of the other things we've been looking at whilst we've been spending a bit of time thinking about where to go next is who has been listening to our show. And first and foremost, we must say that we are so grateful for the number of people that have already listened, shared and downloaded the podcast. We reached more than a thousand listens the other day and we are absolutely over the moon that you are here with us for part of this journey. But we also know that the vast majority of our listeners are women. Um, and are probably on board with some of what we're already saying. And we are wondering about how we increase that diversity to ensure that this is a conversation that's had across the folk community. So if you know other people who might be interested or you think could um, learn a bit more about the types of things that folk for thank folk for feminism is doing, then please do signal boost the show so that we can reach a wider range of listeners. Yes, totally. And we're so proud of the sisterhood. There's a real power in a group of women coming together to listen. But also the stats tell us that 20% of our listeners are male allies, which is just tremendous to have those folks here with us as well. And all of you listeners combined amplifying and listening and, you know, openly sharing the conversations of the women who've come to speak to us on the podcast is just tremendous. But we're growing exponentially. I mean, Pingy said a thousand listens. We're actually closer to 2000 listens and we're only eight weeks old. So it's a really exciting time for us. So if you folks out there have any great ideas of how we might uh, broaden this already fast growing thing we've got going on, how we might reach new audiences and open that conversation out to people who have uh, the power uh, to uh, set change in motion as we all do and um, then please you know get in touch with us we want to shape this podcast with you we also want to throw out there that we recognize that we are women of a particular background class and ethnicity and we are absolutely committed to increasing the diversity in our show and we'd love to hear from trans and non-binary artists people of color and other marginalized groups alike so if you're out there listening and that describes you, please get in touch with us. Or if you know an artist who might like to speak to us, then please do signpost them to the show. Um, next month, we start our Queer as Folk Month with the tremendous political singer-songwriter Grace Petrie and the equally wonderful storyteller Jess Morgan. And there's more that we can't even tell you about. So exciting. Oh, I can't wait for what is going to be another excellent month. Uh, in the meantime, if you want more Thank Folk for Feminism content, then don't forget that this is the week we launch our playlists on Spotify, crowd curated by people across our social media to give you a taste of different types of folk music related to the theme of the month. 
do also make sure that you sign up to likers and raters on the various social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can also sign up to our mailing list on our website, www.thankfolkforfeminism.co.uk. Oh, we've given you lots of things to do here, lots of things for you to go off and find and explore, but it's um, it's an exciting time in the world. But remember, if you need the lockdown to continue a little longer and take tentative steps, we're here for you. Also, if you're out there safely partying, we get that too. <laughs> take care, everyone. Bye. Ooh. Thank Folk for Feminism is a Betty Beetroot production.